Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This trucker convoy situation in Canada has become so bad that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had to kick off the week with a move unlike any the nation had seen since his father ran the country a generation ago. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. He was turning up the heat on the convoy. Blockading streets and critical infrastructure and depriving your neighbors of their freedoms is a totally different thing. It has to stop. And the message was pretty clear. The time to go home is now. But even if the truckers go home, which they haven't yet, they've scored a pretty significant victory. Thousands of people have occupied Canada's capital with a demand for a dropping of the vast majority of our vaccine mandates. They represent the most coordinated effort of anti-vaxxers since the start of this pandemic. And this is about to spread much further than Ottawa. Justin Ling has been covering the trucker convoy. We reached out to ask him how these Canadians struck such a chord with the world. This thing has taken on a life of its own. There's no clear sign when it's going to end. And it's now spread throughout Europe, into Australia, New Zealand. And it's going to probably be an incredibly significant meeting of a number of far-right anti-vaccine groups in D.C. in a matter of weeks. Believe it or not, all of this kind of starts with QAnon. Yeah, so listen, at the beginning of all of this thing, there's a guy named James Bowder. About Two and a half years ago, he took part in another convoy to Ottawa, but this time the convoy was all about a price on carbon that Justin Trudeau had put into effect. Hmm. To us, Justin just says one thing and does another, and we can't get our oil to, oil to tidewater. We can't build a pipeline, we can't get one east, and the carbon taxes, like, how much can Canadians afford? And, you know, when they arrived, it was sort of this hodgepodge event. You had some mainstream political figures, you had, um, you know, some oil workers, some truckers, and some white nationalist figures. So it wasn't terribly successful. It was kind of a big rally. Everyone left and went home. But I guess James Bowder got in his head that, you know, these convoys are super effective. So not long after he got back home to Alberta, he founded this group called Canada Unity. My name is James Bowder, 
founder of Canada Unity Foundation. So Brass Tacks All In is uh, the convoy for freedoms is going to bring trucks, cars, vans, pickup trucks, semis are going to go to Ottawa and give Ottawa a big loving bear hug. And it didn't do much at first, but once the pandemic began, he started a Facebook page, a website for this group, and it was very clear that he was against all sorts of public health measures around COVID-19. You know, he starts posting uh, the where we go one, we go all QAnon hashtag. He starts sharing a whole bunch of conspiracy theories that have become sort of dogma of the QAnon movement. Obviously, he believes in the big lie that uh, Donald Trump actually won the last U.S. presidential election. So he uses his group Canada Unity to start organizing a convoy to Ottawa. And you know, his idea is that we're going to go to Ottawa, we're going to protest in front of the Prime Minister's house and tell him we want him gone, and we're going to deliver this document to the Speaker of the Senate. And this document claims that all vaccine mandates and measures are illegitimate and, and illegal under Canada's constitution and a whole bunch of international law, and basically says uh, that by signing this document, it abolish all of these vaccine mandates and requirements uh, and set up a committee whereby him and a random assortment of citizens would be able to dictate policy for the Canadian government. Everybody got together and said, you know what? We're going to get on the road and we're going to go to Parliament and we're going to make history and we're going to tell Trudeau that the drama class is over. We didn't hire a drama teacher. We hired somebody that was supposed to, to manage the affairs of our country and not destroy our country. So hopefully when he gets there, his resignation is in his hand and he just exits out and leaves directing a country to those that actually know what they're doing. He's basically saying we should override our democratically elected parliament uh, in order to abolish all these vaccine mandates and, and, and dictate what the policy of the government should be. But the thing about this convoy is that it didn't work. This happened in October of last year. He drove to Ottawa with uh, maybe a couple dozen people, if that. They protested for a couple days um, and he left. And it wasn't until early January this year, he started planning a second trip to Ottawa, that other groups started joining, that other anti-vaccine influencers started getting in the know, and this thing absolutely took off. What was different this time? I think really they had a great sort of new frame for the whole thing. In late December, early January, Justin Trudeau and the Biden administration announced they were going to basically remove an ex exemption for truckers crossing the border. And that uh, as of mid-January, they would have to be vaccinated against COVID-19 in order to avoid a 14-day quarantine. So uh, in practice, it meant that it would be almost impossible to be an unvaccinated trucker crossing the US-Canada border. This doesn't actually impact that many Canadians. About 85% of truckers are fully vaccinated, but it became this sort of popular national concern that this could disrupt supply chains and that there would be a risk to, to greater inflation, to food shortages, so on and so forth, uh, if this vaccine mandate came into effect. It's important to note, he never actually says it's about the truckers. He wants every single vaccine mandate and passport gone. and. The trucker thing just becomes a really useful sort of news peg for him. 
And because it's getting so much public attention, you see a bunch of anti-vaccine groups take advantage of this. They notice that this is in the public discourse. They realize it's kind of their, their great opportunity to get some coverage, to get some news. And you see all these other groups start joining Bowder's effort. None of them are you know household names, but there's one that represents uh, police officers uh, who have been removed from the job for not getting vaccinated. There's one that's a coalition of doctors who have been thoroughly discredited, but who are passing on disinformation. Um, about the safety and efficacy of vaccines. Um, you have another group that's against all COVID-19 measures, especially masks. You have a, a number of, of independent organizers, uh, one of whom has, has peddled the white replacement theory that is a, a common trope of the white nationalist movement, who also engages in Holocaust denial. You have a number of organizers who have uh, pushed to make uh, Canada's Western provinces independent from the country. So you have this, this real constellation of folks who have been working at different ends for quite some time, who are now for really the first time getting on the same page, getting on the same email chains, you know, using um, their own networks together. And it's it gets really big. It, it's super effective. Well over a thousand people lining the Trans-Canada Highway outside of Winnipeg in minus 30 wind chills, protesting what they call government overreach. By like January 25th, 26th, you start seeing these images from uh, way out west and way out east of these trucks starting to make their way across the country. You know, you're talking about hundreds of vehicles at this point, some trucks, some personal vehicles. And as the day goes by and they get closer and closer to the capital, you see more and more vehicles joining. You see these solidarity and support rallies coming out uh, to meet the convoy as they cross the country. It's a togetherness like I've never felt before. This isn't about a vaccine mandate on truckers. This is about the entire thing. It's got to go. It's all mandates. It's for the freedom of everybody here. That's why I'm here. And I'm going to stay as long as it takes to change everything. How does this disrupt the day-to-day -day in Ottawa? It has made basically everything in downtown Ottawa grind to a halt, right? You know, most businesses can't be open. Most people uh, are actually having a hard time sleeping or, or leaving their homes. People have, have decamped to anywhere else, gotten to hotel rooms, gone to their cottage, gone to stay with friends. Uh, it's basically impossible to drive through the downtown core. People are literally afraid to keep their masks on because they're getting harassed by some of the occupiers. People of Ottawa don't deserve to be harassed in their own neighborhoods. They don't deserve to be confronted with the inherent violence of a swastika flying on a street corner or a Confederate flag. But it has not been overtly violent thus far. I think that's important to know. You know there has not been uh, an effort to you know, beat up people in the street who disagree with them or, or you know, attack police or anything like that. And meanwhile, this becomes not just an Ottawa thing, but an all-over-Canada thing. Yeah, absolutely. Protesters in Toronto are once again calling for an end to government-imposed mandates. We want our freedom back. I want my country back. Yeah, you know, you've seen solidarity protests pop up in 
Toronto, Halifax, uh, Calgary, Victoria, a number of places across the country where folks have come out to register their support for the occupation and to specifically, uh, you know, spread misinformation and disinformation about vaccines. Protesters first gathered in Peace and Friendship Park in downtown Halifax early Saturday afternoon. The protesters made stops in different neighborhoods in Vancouver, like Mount Pleasant and near Kitsilano. Calgary's streets were a loud place Saturday, joining many across Canada. But the most sort of disruptive of all of those have been a series of border blockades that you've seen in Alberta, Manitoba, uh, and very specifically uh, on the Windsor-Detroit Bridge. Trucks and other protesters blocking traffic at the Ambassador Bridge that links Windsor, Ontario and Detroit. It's a major artery for cross-border commercial truck traffic. Uh, that is one of the most important corridors for the Canadian economy, uh, and which was shut down for a number of days, uh, nearly a week, and only just reopened. Just before dawn Sunday morning, a man holds a flag as he looks out on police. Behind him, a small group of protesters who stayed out here all night. The remnants of a group that stopped traffic on the Ambassador Bridge linking Ontario and Michigan over the past week. And I believe that shutdown in particular cost the automobile industry in Canada and the United States millions and millions of dollars. And that's really one that that led a lot of people to wonder where the police were in all of this. What is going on with the response to especially the shutting down of a major international thoroughfare? Yeah, listen, people have been asking that straight across the country since this whole thing began. I have some sympathy for some of the police forces that are trying to manage this. It's one thing to go and uh, arrest a group of people who are just standing and blocking a road or, you know, protesting in a city or occupying a park or what have you. Yeah. Luckily in Windsor, when they finally went in to do this after much hand-wringing and, and, you know, jurisdictional squabbling and sort of trying to, you know, rationalize with them and negotiate with them, after all that failed, they went went in to go make arrests and it just worked immediately. You need to leave or you will be arrested and charged criminally. Police liaison officers told the group it was time to go or else they'd face arrest. This big rig driver complied, not wanting his truck to be towed away. Others had their vehicles removed from a nearby parking lot. These people uh, either packed up and left or you know, resisted you know, relatively peacefully until until they were arrested and charged with mischief. Uh, but the thing was cleared uh, you know, once Windsor police finally went in uh, and basically said enough's enough, uh, we're taking you away. From the onset of the demonstration, our goal was to resolve this situation safely and peacefully. And Windsor Police Chief Pamela Mizuno says that's exactly what happened. Hmm. And how do Canadians generally view this protest? Badly, negatively. You know, every single poll we've had thus far suggests that two-thirds of the country reject this protest and are against it. And uh, you know, the, I think there's this feeling that is growing that our politicians and our police need to do something about this, and they aren't. Where does that leave the country? Frustrated and without much of a recourse. You know, I'm really sympathetic to the spot the Ottawa police are in. They they really do not have the capacity to end this tomorrow. 
That being said, um, in the last uh, number of hours, uh, the Prime Minister has invoked the Emergencies Act, which gives him a, a significant new latitude uh, to use federal resources to declare this thing illegal, um, you know, to support the Ottawa police, to, to take charge of coordination, uh, to potentially start making some of those arrests. There have been attempts to freeze some of their fundraising. Uh, their fundraising, by the way, has has you know surpassed probably I, th I think ten million dollars as a as a relatively uh, good estimate at this point between a number of fundraisers, uh, direct uh, appeals, and their Bitcoin reserves. So this is turning into a business at this point. These people are actually making money. They're going to be rich off this. Uh, they say they're going to dispense all that money to the, the truckers and the protesters to cover expenses, but they're going to have millions of dollars left over. So where that money actually goes is an open question. More with Justin in a minute. Support for Today Explained comes from Mint Mobile, the only cell phone that tastes good. When the deal is too good to be true, there's probably a catch, right? That incredibly cheap flight to Europe? You probably can't bring a bag or pick your seat or use the restroom. So when I tell you that Mint Mobile offers wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably wondering, what's the catch? Well, according to Mint Mobile, there is no catch. According to Mint Mobile, it's only 15 bucks a month and their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, you can go to mintmobile.com slash explain. That is mintmobile.com slash explain. You can cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash explain. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint mobile for details. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. I drew a map of Canada. Justin, you, you just mentioned that these protesters are actually raising a ton of money. And not only that, you earlier mentioned that this thing's kind of going international. Tell me more about that. This has found a whole bunch of purchase in other countries where you've seen um, you know, more stringent and strict vaccine requirements and lockdown measures. You've seen it in the UK. Here we are. The, um, 
outside New Scotland Yard. Freedom Convoy. Finland had a relatively large solidarity protest. There's, there was a planned convoy for Brussels. Uh, Canberra in Australia, New Zealand. I'm not against vaccination because I, I am actually vaccinated. Um, I'm actually against mandating people to be vaccinated. Uh, I think it's disgraceful um, forcing vaccination on people who don't want it. Uh, a number of places have seen these solidarity uh, convoys and protests pop up, largely inspired by the Canadian occupiers. But in the U.S., things have been a little bit slower. But also in the last couple of days, you've seen some of the organizations pop up and say, basically, we've been working behind the scenes. We've been toiling to get sort of these plans together, and we're finally ready to kind of come out and announce our routes. So you're going to see in the first week of March, at least three different organizations launch their own, quote unquote, freedom convoys uh, headed for Washington, D.C. And I have news for you, America. They're coming our way. They've already blocked one major yeah. bridge that has 20 percent of all the commerce. They're already organizing for a March 1st move from Oregon over to Washington, D.C. People want their lives back. What don't they understand about yeah. that? And it's funny because they're not really protesting vaccine mandates. They don't really have that many vaccine mandates to object to. What you're seeing is sort of a grab bag of grievances. To some degree, they're supporting the Canadians. To some degree, they're opposing masks. Uh, to some degree, they're just fundamentally rejecting vaccines and the Biden administration and sort of everything. <laughs> what are they rejected? The, the mask mandates are ending across the country and a whole lot of people here aren't vaccinated and that doesn't seem to be an issue. Yeah, I, but you, you know, in the recent days, I heard one of the the chief organizers say, you know, we're not just up against the U.S. government. We're up against, you know, a $30 trillion pharmaceutical industry, right? They're fundamentally not even asking for anything. They're just going to sort of register their rage at vaccines by and large. And you're seeing the same conspiratorial thinking from the U.S. organizers as you've seen from a bunch of the Canadian ones. They believe the vaccines are dangerous. They believe they're all uh, an effort to create a one-world government. They think the World Economic Forum is behind everything. They think their sort of patriotic revolution that has started under Donald Trump is under threat, and this is their attempt to sort of fight back. And it should not surprise anyone that a number of people who are at the January 6th insurrection are also organizing this, this freedom convoy. You've already seen uh, you know, a number of people, including folks who advocated for the arrest and execution of members of the media and members of the government uh, participate. You're already seeing an appeal to groups like the Three Percenters uh, and the Oath Keepers to join in, the, in their, their convoy. And it's really raising the possibility that you're going to see a lot of the same people who came out for January 6th descend on the Capitol again in early March. You know, we've seen anti-vax and, you know, conspiratorial ideation in this country and abroad since the pandemic began. What was it about this trucker convoy in Canada that struck such a chord that you're now going to be seeing potentially these similar protests happening around the world? I think there is this innovation that I'm not sure the Canadian organizers realized would be effective until they did it. And it's just the reality of bringing these trucks along is incredibly impactful, right? If 10,000 people had descended on Ottawa, no one would have blinked. 10,000 people is a medium-sized demonstration for Ottawa. The fact that they were able to bring these trucks and shut down the city and shut down these highways and, and overwhelm police in their response 
suddenly catapulted this into an international story, and it made them basically impossible to get rid of, at least in the short term. I think a whole bunch of organizers around the world saw that and went, oh my God, they cracked the code. Suddenly we can you know, capture the narrative and, and dictate our expectations to city and local state governments. It's worth noting that the Canadian occupiers have already been super effective. Four provincial premiers actually now have announced an end to some of their vaccine mandates and their vaccine passport system. Hmm. They've, they've essentially won. You know, this has been a coup for them, right? This has worked for them. You have to imagine there was a bunch of anti-vaccine groups who are looking on, you know, enviously who want to repeat that success. And the one major innovation here is, it seems, is that everyone figured out they can use trucks to disrupt the country when they don't like the government's policies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm sure a lot of them are kicking themselves and not having it figured out earlier, but that's kind of it. I mean, it, it will also depend a lot on what police in D.C. do, right? If they can... Uh, stop this convoy from showing up in Washington and sort of thwarting and short-circuiting those efforts, then maybe this innovation isn't so great. Maybe this is more of a failure of the Ottawa police than anything else. But if the convoy to D.C. makes it to the capital and they decide to embark on their own occupation of the the city, well, this may kick off a method of protest that isn't going away. And then you can interview me for your podcast. Can't wait. <laughs> now I'm moving to Aruba. I'm moving to somewhere with no trucks. <laughs> so I'm over it. <laughs> Justin. Ling is a freelance investigative journalist based in Montreal. He's got his own show. It's called The Flamethrowers Podcast. It's all about how right-wing radio radicalized America. Episode 999 of Today Explained was produced by Hadi Mawagdi with help from Halima Shah and even further help from Will Reed. It was edited by Matthew Collette, engineered by Paul Mounsey, and fact-checked by Richard Seema with help from Laura Bullard. I'm Sean Ramos from Noelle King makes her debut as my co-host tomorrow. Don't miss it. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.